Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. Thank you again so much for our time together. Every morning we sit down for devotions together. Now, this won't last forever, but until this COVID-19 thing is over, I want to walk the journey with you. Part of being a pastor is to be there in people's lives, and we cannot be in your homes and visit right now, but we can come into your home by video and have devotions with you every morning, and then we have a service every night. Pastor Rose has a new one for those, especially in the hospital, for those who are sick, called Jesus the Healer. I, I ask her to sit down and just in a very calm, quiet voice, encourage people and pray for healing and lead you in worship about healing. We've got the kids show. We've got the senior moment show. We've got fit for service. We've got uh, the college age show. We've got the, the high school age show. We've got all these different things that we're doing, trying to make this a productive time for you spiritually. Now, there's a reason for that. And I'll be very frank with you. There's a reason for that. The Bible says that in the last days, the love of most, one translation says many, the other says most, will grow cold. You know, in my life, I never understood how that could really happen. Seriously, I've, I've thought about it many times, but how could that really happen? And I thought, well, maybe because of the increase of sin and all of that. But you know, I don't think it's just because of the increase of sin. Church has been basically taken away from us. Now, I, you need to realize that. Church has been taken away from us. This virus that stalks in darkness has changed our spiritual lives as well as everything else. And I just made up my mind at the beginning of this thing that your love was not going to grow cold. Now, I know that's your decision, but I'm going to do everything I can as a pastor. And as the pastoral staff, we're going to do everything we can as pastors. For if anything your walk with Jesus to go deeper in this period, for your trust in him to grow stronger in this period. He is faithful who has promised. Every morning we start with Psalms chapter 91. So allow me to read it to you today. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no cry shall, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now, folks, we need to keep looking at that one because that's what Satan quoted to Jesus in the wilderness temptation. In the field of battle, Satan quotes the word. But Jesus had firmly attached the sword of the Spirit to his life. He'd, he'd fastened on that belt of truth, that belt of reality. He said, no, no, it is written. You do not stand in the field of battle with a, a, a shallow knowledge of the word. Facebook slogan understanding of the word. You have to know it is written and you have to understand context and you have to understand meaning. 
You will tread on lion and adder, the young lion and serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father, we come to you today. We are a grateful people. Lord, we look around and we realize people of this world, Paul said they have no hope and no God. Father, we have God. You are our God. Each one of us can say, my God. Oh, oh, Lord, we thank you for that relationship. And Lord, we have hope because you are the God of hope. Faithful are you who has promised. And Lord, we recognize that all of your promises are true. Father, we come to you today. and We ask in Jesus' name for provision. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord. Let that bread be given in advance. That daily bread was always given before it was needed. Let provision come before needed, that no one lives hand to mouth. That, Father, we live out of our bodega and not just out of our what's coming in going out. Father, and prosper your people today. Father, there are many people that are just getting by day to day. They're selling things, they're cooking food, they're delivering. Father, I ask in Jesus' name for every one of our people that are out on motorcycles delivering. Let them have extra tips today. Oh, let the favor of God come upon them and bring extra tips in Jesus' name. People that normally just take advantage and give nothing, Lord, instead of making 30 pesos in delivery, let them make 300 for delivery every day today. Father, bring favor upon their lives. For all of our people that are selling food, Lord, let everything be sold out and give them new ideas, Lord. People always want to taste new things. Give them new ideas of things to cook, new recipes, new, new things to offer variety so that they can keep a, a loyal customer base that keeps coming back to them and not looking around for somebody else. Let favor be upon their lives. Father, we pray for all of our people that have to get out and move around. We promise in your word that you would give your angels charge concerning us to guard us in all of our ways. Father, let your people be protected today. Let your people be protected. Be their shield and their rear guard today. Father, I pray for all the frontliners in the hospital. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Lord, let your hand rest upon them. Give them strength in their body. And oh, Father, heal their souls. Restore their souls. They've seen so much, Lord. Restore their souls and strengthen their souls. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to go to worship. But can I just throw a thought at you today? You know, forgive me, I don't normally look at Facebook much. I will admit that's not my thing. Sister Bev is the Facebook guru. But during this lockdown, from time to time, especially on Mondays, I spent some time going through Facebook and just scanning through. And you know what? Forgive me. Some of you have gotten really harsh things to say about the government. Well, Pastor, well, no, 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 no. Please just hear me out for just a minute. And then I got this beautiful one from, from Krish Gidwani, where he just gets on there and he he just encourages everybody to have faith in God. Now, 
All of us have influence. And what I'm asking you is, I'm not asking you to change your opinions. You know me, I'm not political. I don't care about politics. But I'm asking you, what could you better use your influence for? Rather than just bashing the government every day. And guys, you're not going to find me bashing the government. It's just not going to happen. And there's a reason for that. I don't think I could do any better. And forgive me, I don't think you could do any better either. I mean, this is these are hard times that nobody's ever walked before. And I wonder how much farther our nation would move if everybody would use their influence to, let's look at Jesus. God will provide. The government can't provide. They don't have enough money. But God does. Point people to God. Point people to trust in God. Point people to put their faith in God. Now, I'm not telling you to change your political opinions. You know me better than that. But what I am telling you is, isn't there a better way, especially some of you young guys, <clears throat> isn't there a, a better way to use your influence? You are a son of God. Why don't you use your influence to point people to God? <laughs> okay, I'll stop that sermon. Just right there, say, oh, pastor, you're busting us. Yes, I'm busting you just a little bit. But remember, it's my job to teach you. It's my, I wouldn't say job, it's my responsibility to teach you to be submissive to governing authorities. And it's my responsibility to teach you how to use your influence properly. Paul said, I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> I like Paul. In seasons like this, you just need to make up your mind. I have no opinion except Jesus. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will rise, will sing.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Now, I want you to remember as we get into this, we're going to be talking about spiritual people. Now, in chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, we talked about spiritual people. And we talked about natural people. There's three kinds of people. There's spiritual people. That's a Christian who's living right for God. There's natural people. That's an unsaved person. And now we're going to get into some other people. But brothers, now notice he's talking to believers. I could not address you as spiritual. Wow. But as people of the flesh, these are carnal. Carnal Christians. Let's just call it what they are. Carnal Christians. As people of the flesh. As infants of Christ. So notice a few principles here. Teaching determined by spiritual level. As people of the flesh, carnal, as infants of Christ. All right, so a carnal Christian is a baby, or we would call it a perpetual baby. You know, there are some Christians that never grow spiritually. I mean, they, they've been saved for 30 years, and they still act like a just-born-again Christian. They, they never grow. And this is what he's talking about here in Corinth. He said, you people have been saved a long time, but I can't address you as spiritual. I can only address you as carnal, as babies. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. All right, so again, our spiritual level determines content. And even now, you're not yet ready. He said, my goodness, after all these years, you, you still haven't grown. For you are still of the flesh. You are still carnal. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? <laughs> okay, so jealousy and strife is only the human way, not the Christian way. Folks, you should never be jealous of other people. For, forgive me, you should never be jealous of other people. God won't do for anybody else what he won't do for you. God is not a God who shows favoritism. So there's no point in jealousy. And he said, the strife. You know, there are some people that just love to go around and fight and stir up trouble. Have you ever noticed that I don't respond to that? Pastor, you should defend yourself. Why? See, one of the things I learned many, many years ago from a pastor named, oh my goodness, Steve Warner from Evergreen Park, Chicago. He was a he was a guy who just took some time and taught me. He was a really good man and a really smart man. And he taught me, he said, you know, there's no point in ever defending yourself. He said, people believe what they want to believe. And it's true. So I don't fight back with these people. But whenever you see somebody who's in strife and all they're doing is going around stirring up strife, they are telling you they are not a spiritual Christian. They are a carnal Christian. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not merely being human? Remember, this is the patronage system. We study this in detail in our studies in Corinthians. Under, in their culture, they followed a person. It was called the patronage system. Some said, I follow Paul. Others said, I follow 
Apollos. He said, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. As God assigned to each. All right, now, Paul said, you need to understand the reality of spiritual leadership. As spiritual leaders, we are servants. We are servants that God uses. We are servants who God uses to do his assignment. We're not doing this because it's what we want to do. We're doing this, yes, of course we should be wanting to do it. You know what I mean. But these are our assignments. I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the growth. He said, listen, the glory goes to God. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So Paul said, listen, all right, I, I came and planted the seed. I came and preached and preached and preached and preached and preached. Apollos came and watered. Beautiful movings of the Holy Spirit. That was wonderful. But he said, you know what? Only God gives the growth. So the glory only goes to God. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. All right, so God rewards. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. All right, so Paul said, understand what a, a Christian leader is. A Christian leader is just God's fellow workers. Understand who a Christian is. The Christian, the local church, you plural, are God's field and God's building. He said, we just work together to build these things. According to the grace given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how we build on it. So, all right. So Paul said, ministry is by grace. He said, he said every person's life needs, you need a foundation. Now, Paul was a skilled foundation layer. Now, you know how there are companies that all they do is build foundations? Well, th this is Paul. Paul said, there in Corinth, man, I, I built a strong foundation. Man, like a skilled master builder. Paul said, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I, I will, I'm a skilled master builder. I like that. Paul is, Paul is not being shy. Paul is not being prideful. But he says like it is. He said, like a skilled master builder. He said, man, I'm good at this. I laid a foundation. He said, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. He says, so all right, your life, Paul said, I built foundations in. But now other leaders are going to come along and they're going to build on top of those foundations. And each one needs to be careful how they build upon it. Now, I understand that. Because I'll sit down with somebody and they're in college and they go through their college years in COP and maybe some of their early work years in COP, and then they go to the province. Now, when they were with us, these were good people. These were hardworking people. They lived for Jesus. They read their Bible every day. They fasted. They prayed. They, they lived a holy life. And 10 years later, they come back and you look at them and go, what happened to your spiritual life? Because you realize the foundation is still there. But the stuff that's been added above it 
it's like somebody's been building with some hollow blocks and some some twigs and branches and maybe a few broken stones and and maybe a little bit of mud and you know their whole spiritual life is wobbly and and poorly built you need to be careful when you begin to build in somebody's life paul said you need to be careful he said no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid which is christ i like that paul said my job Build Christ into your life. <laughs> oh, I love that. This is the foundation. Paul said, I built Christ into your life. He said, now anyone who builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will be manifest. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has done, that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, basically what Paul is saying is, now listen, those of you in leadership there in Corinth, you need to understand something. I built a strong foundation in people's lives, and it's going to stand. He said, now, you have to choose the materials of building. the materials of construction. Do you build with the precious gold, silver, precious stones, or do you build the costly, or do you build with the cheap? The cheap and easy. Now, you know, you can build people's lives cheap and easy, okay? You, you can just teach little fluffy doctrines that don't say much. You can just teach little, little fluff ball sermons that, that, you know, just basically Facebook slogans. He said, but when you build people's lives like that, in, in the days of fire, when things are challenged like COVID-19, he said, you know what? It's going to be manifested what's been built in their life. And he said, if it survives, you receive a reward. If you do not survive, you will suffer loss. Now, that doesn't mean pastors won't go to heaven. That means pastors will suffer loss. There are many pastors when they get to heaven, they will be saved, but they will have little or no rewards because they have chosen fluff. They've chosen the wood, hay, and stubble to build into people's lives rather than the costly and the precious. Now, now brothers and sisters, you also have a responsibility in this. You, you should not sit there while somebody just patches your life with, with trivial things. You should make sure that you hear the word of God and that the sound biblical doctrines and principles of the word of God are what is built within your life. You have a responsibility in this also. Do you not know that you are God's temple? I like that. One of the first songs I remember as a baby Christian is, Know ye not, know ye not that you are the temple. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? <laughs> okay, so who am I? I am God's temple. God lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. All right, now, we have to take a hard look at this. Now, people come to me and I say, Pastor Summerall, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you shouldn't smoke. Um, if anyone destroys God's temple. 
Now, please, you, you, you can't play games with me on this because I smoked two packs of cigarettes from the time I was about, what, 10, 10 years old, something like that, until I got saved. Two packs a day and a pipe. As I got a little older, got into high school and college, a pipe plus two packs a day. Man, I was a walking chimney. You, you can't tell me that that does not destroy a person's lungs. It causes cancer. It causes all kinds of things. Now, whether it's smoking, please forgive me, whether it's overeating, too much sugar, too much rice, we have to understand that this body is God's temple, and we should take care of it. Your body is precious. Well, it's my body. I can do with it what I want. You know, okay, fine. That's a nice little slogan. But um, you are the temple of God. God has chosen to dwell in you. We, we should not destroy the temple of God. You know, you, you talk to people today and they're doing a variety of things to their physical body. They're cutting it. They're mangling it. They're, they're doing, it doesn't matter whether it's food that you eat or alcohol or drugs or whatever. We should take good care of this body. Not just because we want to live a long life, but because this body is not our own. This body belongs to God. We have a stewardship of this body. This body is not us, okay? I mean, we are a spirit being. We have a soul and we have a body. This body, yes, we live in it and we walk around in it, but this body also belongs to God. You are God's temple. Let's take care of the body. Now, some of you are listening to me and say, Pastor Summerall, how did you stop smoking? I just quit. After two packs a day from the time I was about 10 years old until the day before my 18th birthday when I got saved, you say, what, well, is it easy? You know what? I never really thought about it. I just understood I'm a Christian. I just got born again. I just got set free. And I ran back to my dormitory in between classes, took all my pipes and cigarettes and threw them in the garbage, yelling, I'm free, I'm free. And my two Christian roommates were thinking, this guy's gone nuts. They didn't understand. I just got, I got saved. <laughs> okay. You have been set free. You don't need patches, and you're never going to do it by just cutting down to how many sticks a day. You just stop. All right, that's all free. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Now he defines what those all things are. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the world, life, death, present, future, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God. So Paul says, hey, I belong to you. You don't belong to me. You're not my member. I'm your pastor. Ah, I see there's a little mind change there. He said, the spiritual leaders belong to you. Paul belongs to you. Apollos belongs to you. Cephas or Peter belongs to you. The world, life, death, present, future, all are yours. All of these things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. A beautiful upward funnel of understanding. So don't ever go around and think, well, I'm Pastor Summerall's member. No, you are not my member. I am your pastor. Ah, all things are yours. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Old Testament passage today picks up in Job chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. Now I want you to remember with me, God says of Job, he's blameless in all his ways. In fact, God holds Job up in front of Satan and says, would you look at him? He, he holds him up as an example. And Satan wants to sift him, just like Satan said to Jesus. And Jesus passed on to Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But you know what? I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you, that your faith will not fail you. And when you come back, strengthen the brothers. There are times in our lives are severely challenged, like on a battlefield of temptation, like Jesus in the wilderness, like Peter being sifted, or here like Job. Job is not one of my favorite books because <laughs> maybe it, it shows what all of us go through at times. We go through hard times, and then people come to us, and those people say wonderful things about God, and man, do they make papa out of us. They have nothing but accusations and horrible things and, you know, this is all your fault. And you know what? Sometimes hard times are not because you're reaping anything, brothers and sisters. Sometimes hard times are just because there's an ugly, nasty devil out there who likes to hurt people. Now, the problem is, and maybe this is the reason I don't like Job, is, like so many of us, between the people saying such horrible, negative, accusatory things to us and the pain and hardship that we're going through, we start to get a bad attitude toward God. And I don't ever want to have a bad attitude toward God. But sometimes, sometimes we do. So let's begin, and now we really begin to see in chapter 10. And we'll understand the later chapters of Job better because God really gets after Job about his attitudes toward him. Chapter 10, verse 1. Job said, I loathe my life. I will give free utterance to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> this is called venting. Have you ever had somebody vent on you? Or have you ever vented on somebody else? We've all done it. He said, I'm, gonna give, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm just going to give free utterance to my complaint. And I will speak in the bitterness of my soul, not in faith, not in faith. I will say to God, wow, <laughs> I'm going to tell God what I think. Now, I have to be honest with you. I've probably done that a couple of times in my life, too. And thank God he's merciful. And thank God he's gracious. I will say to God. Do not condemn me. Let me know why you contend against me. Well, God was not. This was the devil. Now, again, brothers and sisters, you, you have to get into your heart. God is good. The devil is bad. When bad things happen, it's not God. But that's hard to cope with when everybody's in your face telling you about how wonderful and beautiful God is, but you failed him. Okay. 
And that's what his friends had been saying to him. Does it seem good to you to oppress, to despise the work of your hands, and favor the designs of the wicked? It's not true. God never does this. Have you eyes of flesh? Do you see as man, man's eyes see? No, God does not. Are your days as the days of a man and your years as a man's years? No. That you seek out my iniquity and search for my sin? In other words, God, are you, are you trying to just hurt me? Are you trying to dig in my life? Are, are, you, here, are you here on a fishing expedition? as they say colloquially, are you just here to stir up something to see what you can find wrong? Although you know I am not guilty, there is none to deliver out of your hand. Your hands fashioned and made me, and now you have destroyed me altogether. No, Satan did. Remember that you have made me like clay, and will you return me to the dust? Do you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? You have clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and seamless. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your care has preserved my spirit. Yet these things you hid in your heart. I know that this was your purpose. If I sin, you watch me. Do not acquit me of my iniquity. If I am guilty, woe to me. If I am right, I cannot lift my head, for I am filled with disgrace and look upon my affliction." And were my head lifted up, you would hunt me like a lion and work wonders against me. No, he will not. So these are the attitudes coming out of Job's bitterness of soul. You renew your witness against me and increase your vexation toward me. You bring fresh troops against me. No, he does not. Why did you bring me out of a womb? Would that I have died before any eye had seen me, as were as though I had not been carried from womb to grave. Are not my days few? Then cease and leave me alone, that I might find a little cheer. Wow. He's saying, God, leave me. Wow. Talk about bitterness of soul. God, leave me. Leave me alone, that I can find a little happiness. But in his presence, there's fullness of joy. This is the bitterness of his soul. Before I go, and I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep shadow, like the land of gloom, like thick darkness, like deep shadow without order, where light is as thick darkness. Listen to that bitterness of his heart. He said, God, just leave me alone for a little while, and then I'll die. Okay, just, just leave me alone. I can have a little happiness, and then I'll die. Job is so bitter in his heart. Brothers, brothers and sisters, please, never let your heart get like this before God. I, I don't condemn Job for his heart getting like this. All of us have faced this. But in the middle of the darkest hour, with tears coming down your face, lift your hands before God and say, God, I may not understand everything, but God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. And just keep saying it and singing it. Say it and sing it. Don't let this bitterness fill your heart. Then Zophar, the Namathite, answered. Should a multitude of words go unanswered, a man full of talk be judged right? Wow. 
Wow. He is attacking. Should your babble silence men when you mock and shall no one shame you? For you say my doctrine is pure and I'm clean in God's eyes. God agrees. <laughs> chapter 1 and chapter 2. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips to you. He will. End of the book. And that he would tell you the secrets of wisdom, for he is manifold in understanding. Know then that God exacts of you less than your guilt deserves. Wow. Wow. Condemnation. <laughs> Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? Is it higher than heaven? What can you do? Deep of Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he passes through and imprisons and summons the court, who can turn him back? For he knows worthless men when he sees iniquity. Will he not consider it? Wow. Condemnation. But a stupid man will get understanding when a wild donkey's colt is born a man. If you prepare your heart, you will stretch out your hands toward him. If iniquity is in your hand, put it far away. Let not injustice dwell in your tent. Well, listen, just listen to the accusations. If you prepare your heart, so he, he's saying, hey, Job, your heart's not right. Surely then you will lift up your face without blemish. You will be secure and will not fear. You will forget your misery. You will remember it as the waters that have passed away. And your life will be brighter than noonday. Its darkness will be like the morning. And you will feel secure because there's a hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. You will lie down and none will make you afraid. Many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail. All the way of escape will be lost to them. And their hope is to breathe their last. He said, listen, you wanted to die? Your words, Job, your word, you want to die? That's your hope, because you are wicked. Man, these guys, they listen to Job, and then they speak well of God, maybe some incorrect things, but they speak positively about God. But my goodness gracious, how they treat Job. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, No doubt you are the people and wisdom will die with you. But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Who does not know such things as these? I am a laughingstock to my friends. I, who called to God and he answered me, a just and blameless man, am a laughingstock. He said, Job says, This is not fair. He said, This is just not fair. Is the thought that one who is at ease, there is contempt for misfortune? Is it ready for those whose feet slip? The tent of robbers are at peace, and those who provoke God are secure, who bring their God in their hand. But ask the beasts, and they will teach you, the birds of the heaven, and they will tell you, or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you, and the fish of the sea will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Really? Now you'll understand the passage later when God said, Job, where were you when I did the creation? 
is his hand in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Do not his ears test words as a palate tastes food? Now, there's an interesting truth. Does not his ears test words as a palate tastes food? You need to be careful with your words because God's listening. Wisdom is with the aged and understanding in length of days. With God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. If he tears down, none can rebuild. If he shuts a man in, none can open. When God shuts a man in, there's, there's no getting out. If he withholds the waters, they dry up. If he sends them out, they overwhelm the land. With him are strength, sound wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leads counselors away stripped and judges. He makes fools. He looses the bonds of kings and binds a waistcloth on their hips. He leads priests away stripped and overthrows the mighty. He deprives of speech those who are trusted and takes away the discernment of elders. He pours contempt on princes and loosens the belt of the strong. He uncovers the deeps out of darkness and brings deep darkness to light. He makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nation and he leads them away. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander a pathless waste. Wow. They grope in the dark without light, and he makes them stagger like drunken men. Now notice they, them. Who are these people? These chiefs of the people of the earth. You have to understand that world rulers, world rulers can have all their wisdom taken out of them, and they just become a wanderer. They have no clue what they're doing. They grope like men without light. They stagger like, like drunken men. Now, in this season where we're watching the world change, you have to understand God is still God. Yes, Satan is the God of this world, but God is still God. Yes, Satan has the right to, to give nations rulerships to whom he will, like he offered to Jesus and like he will offer again to the Antichrist. But Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. There, there is a sovereignty of, about God. I always use that as a big S. There is a sovereignty about God. And Job, and Job had an understanding of this. Job had an understanding of the incredible sovereign authority of God. He just didn't understand that there's a devil that's bad and a God that's good. Or maybe he did understand. And between the pain that he felt and the suffering that was brought into his life by uh, all the f words of his friends, he forgot. Brothers and sisters, it's like over in the book of Malachi. When the priests gather together and they, they begin to discuss that it's useless to serve God, it's useless to bring your tithe and offerings to God, it's useless. And God listened. And then those that honored God gathered together and they spoke and God listened as they spoke well of God. From the very first time I read Job years ago, and I've failed just like Job many times in my life, just like you. But one of the things I've tried to learn in my short life is to never think that bad things come from God. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from God, from heaven. The good and the perfect gifts. Every bad, ugly thing in this world is from the devil. Back during the revival days, I remember an evangelist saying, 
You know, it's really, really simple in life to know who's doing what. God, good. Devil, bad. And I thought at the time, that's very simplistic, but very good. Don't ever blame God for your problems. You see, here's the bottom result of Satan's work. If Satan and his people that he sends to you and inspires with their religious condemnation can convince you that God is the reason for all of this, will you ever turn to him for help? No, you'll turn to him in bitterness, just like Job did. Bitterness of heart, you'll vent on God. But if you can keep very clearly in your heart that even when we're faithless, God is faithful. If you can keep very clearly in your heart that nothing bad comes from God, then whatever is happening in your life, you don't blame him. You don't see him as the source of the problem. You see him as the solution. All right, we'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock sharp, as we get back into Romans.